There's a light shining at the Frankenstein's lair. There's a light. Hmm. Salutations to all. It's a merry Wednesday, I believe. And it is time for... Chapter 13. So I guess I'll just read it to you then, shall I? Here goes. Chapter 13. Mildew deserts himself in his hour of need. Mildew was unceremoniously frog-marched through the village, complaining all the while that there must be some terrible mistake. Excuse me, he protested. Could I possibly go back to my time machine? I'd love to stay, but my friend will be wondering where I am. If his hosts understood him, they did not feel the need to respond. The crowd grew in number as others came out of their wooden houses to see what the commotion was. A boy about his own age seemed to have a fascination with Mildew's clothes, grabbing them as he passed. He was particularly taken with the school badge on the breast pocket. Hey! shouted Mildew as the boy poured at him again. Hands off my blazer! The boy scowled and stuck out his tongue. Eventually they arrived at a very tall and curiously carved post with various symbols and patterns cut into its length and a vicious-looking animal skull at the top. The entire crowd of villagers, man, woman and child, bowed reverentially towards the post. Mildew was baffled as to the significance of the object, but it was clearly very important. While he stood there pondering, he was suddenly dragged towards it and tied up with thick cords. Having secured him to the post, the crowd stood back and bowed their heads again, as though in prayer. Mildew was just about to speak when everyone of the assembled crowd threw back their heads and howled like wolves. Just then, a man leapt forward, his head covered in a wolfskin, so that the head, complete with the jaws and teeth, was worn like a hood, and the rest of the skin like a cape. He jumped and snarled in a frenzy. It was a startling sight and sound, and Mildew tried not to panic, but didn't quite succeed, whimpering and straining against his bonds. The crowd moved away and began to prepare some sort of celebratory feast, from which he, it seemed, was to be excluded. "'Untie me, you brutes!' he cried. But no one seemed very interested, especially a rather muscle-bound character who was studiously sharpening a double-headed axe. Every now and again... He would look at Mildew and then sharpen the axe a little more, chuckling to himself. Mildew had the distinct feeling that his situation, already some way from ideal, was about to get very much worse, particularly when the man holding the axe looked up and pointed at him, then the axe, then ran his finger across his throat before chuckling in time with his sharpening. Mildew closed his eyes in the vain hope that this might all turn out to be a dream, but when he opened them, he was still tied to the post, and the Viking was still sharpening his axe. Mildew began to whimper softly as night closed in. Sacrifice! That was the only explanation. For reasons unknown, these Vikings had decided that Mildew would make a fine sacrifice. They seemed to have a bit of a thing about wolves. Was Mildew to be sacrificed to their wolf god? A large bonfire was lit, and a great feast was laid out. It appeared that his execution was going to be a lively event. Mildew was pained by thoughts of all he might have achieved had he been allowed to live. He couldn't be sure that he would have achieved anything especially wonderful, but that was hardly the point. Lots of people didn't do anything especially wonderful and didn't get sacrificed to wolf gods. It wasn't fair. Then Mildew noticed something moving in the shadows beside a group of wooden buildings ahead of him. What new horror is this, he thought, as the thing began to move towards him in the gloom. 
He was about to cry out when the bonfire light revealed the thing to be none other than Mildew himself, saying, Shh, I've come from the future to save myself, whispered Mildew with relief. How resourceful of me. Without responding, the other Mildew reached into the bound Mildew's jacket pocket, fumbled around for a moment, and then left. Wait, cried Mildew, but the other Mildew disappeared into the night. I've deserted myself in my hour of need, said Mildew miserably. Suddenly the clouds parted and a full bright moon shone down on the scene before him, and the lights from it glinted on something in front of Mildew. Somebody was walking towards him, carrying a knife. Mildew gasped and fell into a faint, although he couldn't fall far because he was tied to the post. Moments later, Mildew found himself coming round briefly, aware of a snarling sound that was so close it might have been in his own head. His body shook violently as though he was having a fit. Just as he was opening his eyes, his head was struck by a sudden pain, and he fell into unconsciousness once more. As he drifted off, he had the strongest sensation that Sponge was nearby, and even fancied he saw his friend standing some way off looking concerned. Dear Sponge, he murmured mid-slump. When Mildew came to next, he found himself in an untidy heap beside the pole, his bonds cut through, his clothes shredded. There was a terrible odour, the major part of it bringing him to mind the heady whiff of a large damp dog. Perhaps I'm dead, thought Mildew, quickly checking that his head was where he had last left it. It was, but Mildew wondered if heads were restored in the afterlife. He was toying with the notion that he might be in heaven when a procession of Viking villagers made its way gingerly towards him. I don't understand, thought Mildew. What has happened to me? The villagers encircled him, and Mildew whimpered, fearing that in his vulnerable, semi-clad state he would be once more at the mercy of the axe. Things always seemed worse, semi-clad. Please don't kill me again, said Mildew, or if you haven't killed me, don't kill me at all. But very quickly it became clear that the villagers meant no harm. Far from it. They were now, for whatever reason, afraid and in awe of Mildew, and their chief bowed to him and offered some clothes to hide his modesty. Though the clothes they offered him smelled of old weasels, Mildew was only too happy to accept. But the villagers felt that Mildew had to be appeased further, and so gifts were brought forward. What's going on? thought Mildew. First they want to lop my noggin off, the next they behave like I'm a god or some such. Alarmingly, the very axe that had been intended for Mildew's execution was brought forth, but the chief handed it solemnly over to him, and Mildew accepted it with equal solemnity and relief, until the weight of it nearly pulled his arms from their sockets. "'Thank you,' gasped Mildew. "'This is awfully decent of you.' The chief looked at his people, and then at him, seemingly unsure as to whether they had done enough. Mildew couldn't help looking at the chief's rather fine winged helmet." Following Mildew's gaze, the bystanders started pointing and shouting. The chief shouted back angrily, but the villagers pointed at Mildew and shouted some more. The chief muttered and grumbled, but eventually took off his helmet. To Mildew's surprise, his beard was part of the helmet, and underneath the Viking was clean-shaven. The chief placed the helmet solemnly, albeit with some reluctance, on Mildew's head, tickly beard and all. Unfortunately, it was far too large, even with Mildew's mop of hair, and sank down over his face so that he could not see anything at all. There was some concern among the villagers at this turn of events, until someone went to fetch a large bread bun from the aftermath of the feast. The chief removed the helmet and placed the bun inside before returning it to Mildew's head. This seemed to do the trick, and Mildew smiled, and thanked the chief warmly, causing him to sigh with relief, and the whole village cheered.
The newly helmeted mildew hoisted onto the chief's shoulders and processed around the village before returning to the time machine, where he was ceremoniously deposited. Mildew had the distinct impression they were keen to get rid of him. Unfortunately, Mildew had no more idea how to work the time machine now than he'd had back in his own time, and though the village hovered over him expectantly, he was at a loss to understand how to set the controls. The chief seemed to sense Mildew's confusion and helpfully pointed at the clock dial. Yes, yes, said Mildew, but how do I set it to get back to Maudlin Towers? Mildew surprised himself at his desire to return to Maudlin Towers. It was a desire he had never thought himself capable of. He decided that desperate straits called for desperate measures. There was nothing else for it. He was going to have to try and use his brain. Mildew stared at the clock face. He could see that Mr Particle had marked where the dials corresponded to the times he had visited, but that did not help him in knowing where the dial should be set for the return. He tried to think how the clock had looked when he had first examined it, and remembered thinking that it was odd because there was no minute hand. Aha! thought Mildew, I thought there was only one hand because both hands were at twelve, so perhaps if I move the minute hand back to twelve... Mildew moved the hands back towards twelve and gripped the end of the lever. Goodbye, Mr Viking, sir, and thanks for the axe. With that, Mildew pulled the lever. There was a bright flash and a whine, and he was back at the bothy. I did it, cried Mildew. Wait till Sponge hears about my adventures. Chapter 14 Mildew Eats Some Very Old Bread Mildew peered out of the doorway, wondering how long had elapsed since his trip to the Viking Age. There didn't seem to be anyone about, which meant he was probably supposed to be in class and would be missed. Given the way he was dressed, he thought he ought perhaps to conceal himself by skirting around the sports field using the ha-ha. Mildew sneaked along the edge of the bothy and clambered down the slippery grass bank of the ha-ha before moving along its length with such stealth as he could in a heavy-winged helmet carrying an axe. It was only when he was halfway along and about to turn the corner that would lead to the school that it occurred to him to look up at Pug's Peak. When he saw the distinctive silhouette of Mr Stupendo and a group of boys thundering down the hillside, and there, a little way below them, stood two boys, one of them holding something to his eye that glinted in the morning light. Good Lord, thought Mildew, stroking his Viking beard. Of course, I'm the ghost in the ha-ha. He moved on and hid behind a bush, watching his other self and Sponge head off after Stupendo and Kennyworth and the others. This must mean that I have returned to an earlier present than the present I left, as I'd hoped, thought Mildew, boggling his mind as he did so. Perhaps I'm getting the hang of this time-travelling business. Mildew thought that the best thing to do would be to get changed out of his Viking things and into his school uniform. He climbed out of the ha-ha and headed off towards the school, entering by the east door. He peered each way down the corridors. There was no one about. Mildew took one step, and a hand was placed on his shoulder. He turned to see the headmaster looking down at him. Ah, Mildew, said the headmaster, his smile already beginning to fade alarmingly as he surveyed Mildew's attire. Do you have any explanation for your willful disregard for the school uniform? I'm sure you do. I'm, I'm, I'm... Yes? I'm rehearsing for a play, sir, said Mildew. A play? said the headmaster, peering at Mildew suspiciously. I haven't been told about any theatrical performances. It's a surprise, sir, said Mildew. A surprise? 
Yes, sir, said Mildew. None of the masters know, sir. It's something we boys have written ourselves. They'll be very cross if I've let the cat out of the bag. How lovely, said the headmaster, his good humour returning. No need to worry. I shan't let on that I know anything about it. He tapped the side of his nose and winked. Thank you, sir, said Mildew. And when is the performance? said the headmaster. I'm afraid I've said too much already, said Mildew. Ah, said the headmaster, tapping the side of his nose again. Understood. May I? The headmaster took the axe from Mildew's hands and swished it through the air, almost taking Mildew's head off with the second swish and achieving what the axe's Viking owner had failed to do. Marvellous what they could do with some cardboard glue and a spot of paint, said the headmaster. The magic of theatre, eh, Mildew? Is that all, sir? said Mildew, taking back possession of the axe. Of course, of course, said the headmaster, beaming. Run along! Mildew managed to get to his dorm and change clothes, stowing the axe and helmet in his trunk at the end of his bed. I'm famished, he thought. Time travel, and being in fear of one's life, does wonders for the appetite. Luckily, he remembered the bread roll the Viking chief had put inside the helmet, and he ate a few mouthfuls to keep him going. Mildew nodded approvingly, considering it was several centuries old. It wasn't half bad. And that's the end of chapter 14. Chapter 15 and 16, to follow tomorrow. I bid you all good day. Farewell.